0: thank you for joining us on the behind the curtain podcast i'm your host aaron ivy and i have returning with us today mac from california mac we really enjoyed uh, our most recent episode where we kind of talked about your initial perspective about you know memphis your perceptions of memphis and had some funny stories of of some neighborhoods where we probably will not be investing in the, let's just say this year, maybe even next, but where you saw some opportunity. So what I wanted to do today is to talk about areas where we did see some opportunity and, and where you were impressed about the city of Memphis and the opportunities that are here.
1: So I'm not familiar with the neighborhood as well as you are and what they're called, but the price ranges were a little higher and they were price ranges that I hadn't considered there's a couple of reasons why it's going to be more appropriate for those price ranges. Number one, because of the opportunities. Yeah. And also because of financing, which I think we'll get into, it makes it a little easier to do the deal and to leverage the money to, to do that. So yeah. I really like some of the, the homes. I like the locations. I like the way the neighborhoods felt. Mm-hmm. They felt different. They drove different. We walked them and some of them needed work and I like that, you know, to me, it, if it needs work, That means there's a better deal to be had. There's more value add to be had. And I need more experience in in those types of things.
0: Well, one of the houses that I really liked yesterday where you immediately noticed a, a dip in the foundation, it was probably the best house that we had seen as of that time in our day. And there was a a very, very small dip. And I didn't say this at the time, but I want to say it now. You were like, Oh, we got a foundation thing, and we walked around the back of the house and we looked at the facade on the conventional foundation and we saw some cracks.
1: That's the one where I said this is an add-on right here. You can tell it's
0: an add-on. Yeah.
1: And then we went around the back and we opened up the little crawl space and there was a concrete staircase under underneath it. You so you could see where the staircase went into the original door. Yeah. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. It's an add on.
0: It's so totally cool. So one of the thoughts that I had had is. And the add-on looked good. Yeah, it did. I mean, the siding looked good. The roof line looked great. The roof was new. It was a necessary add-on for that kitchen size and it made the kitchen the right size. Usable. Yeah. And we even noticed where they, in the add-on, there was at least one appliance. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I didn't say though at the time is you know, when was this house built? You know, I, I kept considering when was this house built? It was probably built around 1950. Mm. So let's just say the add-on was put on in the late sixties, early seventies. That add on has it has not progressed, you know, as far as like the any sort of sinking of the foundation or settling of the foundation. These are normal things. And so the cool thing for our listener that I just want to throw out there is we're going to consider this property Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about our perception of the property to the seller. And we're going to say, yeah, it looks like there might be a foundation issue back here that we need to discuss. We need to investigate. We may, you know, see if that's caught on the inspection. The point that I'm making is. It's an issue with the home or a factor with the home that is not a deal killer at all. It may never move again. It makes the deal better. It does. Yeah. It gives you an opportunity to say, oh, I need to look into this. And so from a buyer's representation standpoint, we are going to make the seller aware that we love the house. We can see that there are going to be some maintenance issues coming up. And so then that's when we make our play for a lower buy price. So that that's a fun thing that we get to do when you come to town mm-hmm. and when we get to walk around these houses. And as realtors, for our buyers, we want to do that as often as possible.
1: And it's hard to see that from pictures. Oh, it, uh, maybe even impossible. It's impossible. And you need two sets of eyes or three sets of eyes with different experience to catch certain things. Because I'm going to find things because that I've, 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 I've experienced before, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm going to notice certain things. And we did notice something else about that house too. And you're like, the I tree, to, the tree. Yeah. <laughs> I said, immediately I went back. I'm like, the tree's got to come out. And you're like, yeah, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to tell you, but yeah, it's got to come out. Yeah. Cause it was, you know, it was inches away. Right. And I'm thinking, Oh Lord, that looks treacherous. That looks like a YouTube, uh, fail compilation. Yeah. ready to happen, but that's cool to me. I want to do this, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's going to be problems in everything and in every aspect and facet of life. But this is this is the problems I want to have. These are the problems yeah. I want to get into because yeah. this is like I said,
0: this is where my passion is. Well, I, I want to give my rationale for not saying anything. What I said is I didn't want to say anything because I knew that you would find it mm. right. Yeah, and you so, said that. Yeah, yeah. I was like I I was waiting yeah. <laughs> because I, because you're perceptive. You know and you were mm-hmm. going to catch it and then you know the same house that we're very interested in we noticed that this tree the root system is actually encroaching on the foundation which may have led to some of the cracking of the concrete facade yeah so very very interesting and as we were leading into today's episode we were talking about your portfolio and your investing history so i was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about what you own how you came into the properties that you own right now and What drove you in this direction um, into investment in real estate? What was that?
1: I was kind of forced into this way of life, if you want to call it. My family had a sizable portfolio, more specifically my grandparents and um, my grandfather died years ago. My grandmother died years ago as well. At the end of their lives, they became ill and died relatively slow. And so they stopped taking care of their portfolio. They stopped managing it. It just, everything fell into disrepair. So after they had passed, the transition between them and my mother and her two siblings wasn't smooth. And there was some gamesmanship, I think, that was played there. I know it was, not to get into anything in particular detail, but things weren't handled properly. And so... As the years went on, I kept asking, you know, what are we doing here? Like, why are, why do we have these, all these properties sitting vacant? We had an apartment unit, uh, apartment building sitting vacant, things are just dilapidating, but we're paying property tax, we're paying insurance, you know, this, that, and the other. So finally I just said, I'm going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not mine, not yet, but this isn't right. And so that f- opened up a whole can of worms from the perspective of dealing with family members who became hostile, who were already hostile, but it, that revealed it, you know, it's like the bugs under the rug. You pull the rug out and you see them now, you know, they're there, but they've always been there. Right. And then dealing with all the intricacies that it took to get things divided, whether it be legally, because, of, you know, I, start, I had to learn about trusts and I had to learn about probate because some things weren't in the trust. Found out later that things were moved out of the trust. Thankfully, I had some real estate knowledge on titling and tenants in common and joint tenancy, how things worked. That's how I discovered certain things. had to deal with bank accounts and stock portfolios and all this stuff. And so it's been an ongoing battle and we've got it taken care of piece by piece. But with that comes the real estate part. And that was the first thing we really dealt with. And there was a number of properties Some that we have, obviously some that they have, and we were able to get them transitioned uh, back and forth. uh, So that way each inheritor got their share, equal share. Well, they got a little little more, but they were hostile. So we wanted to get rid of them. Right. Yeah. But everyone got their own share, sole and separate, but things were dilapidated. So now I have to go into, well, we need to fix certain things, but we don't have the cash or the money to do it. So I had to get creative on how to get that handled. So that was my first look into creative financing and that sort of thing. And so did that a few times on a few properties And because of some of the, I guess I can say, hostilities between family members. I learned how to protect ourselves and insulate ourselves from possible future problems, right? Not that there will be any, I don't right. think, at
0: least with our situation, but... There could be some, but I mean, it's always tricky when property going to... To, I don't know if your properties are going to go, go to probate or not, or, you know, one did, one did, okay. one did, it went through and it, it's done. Okay. So the others
1: to make a long story short, were moved out of a trust into their names. Then they had to go back into the trust to redistribute as individuals and California changed its property tax reassessment at the time. So we had to do it really funky so that the properties wouldn't get reassessed for higher property tax because these properties were bought decades ago. And the values in that know. is a
0: whole podcast just right there. I, for most people, they have no idea what you're talking about, but I do. Uh, the The trigger it's the trigger for reassessment, correct? And I would, I mean, we're not going to do this now yeah. because, gosh, that's a great discussion. But we've got to come back and we got to yeah. talk about. You know, there's a reason we're not saying Max's last name. You know, like he's he's sharing some secrets here. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's above board, but you know, uh, he's. He has learned a lot. I'm so much in order to be able to manage his family's estate. And he's had to, again, he's had to be a great guy in the whole process. I think that's one of the things, if I may say so, that it is a chemistry between you and me. If you're considering your family in these situations and you're actually considering them, even they, though they m- might not be the greatest of people, even though they may not, they may be putting their worst foot forward, but treating those people with respect and saying, you know what, it's, this we're we're going to manage this for you and hopefully make it to where everybody's satisfied. Mm. I love that you did that. Um, and as much as we don't get along
1: with certain people anymore, I actually did them a favor. Oh yeah. You know, they they don't have to fight with us. They got their share of other it wasn't just real estate, mind you. Oh sure, yeah. But they've been paid out you huge sums You mentioned some of money stocks. <laughs> yeah, they've been paid out huge sums of money that they would not have otherwise had access to. Right. And we're settling things, you know, it's amazing. so Amazing. As much as they don't like that we did it, they got their end of it. And so I guess that kind of leads into how do I get into my portfolio? So after that's settled and there's some money there, you know, my experience with banking and some macroeconomic knowledge, you can't just let cash sit in a bank account. You know, it's going to get spent. And in all likelihood, we're going to outlive the cash or it's going to be inflated to oblivion. Right. Right. So we got to turn it into something that creates something and it has to turn it into something that gives us a tax benefit and really real estate's the only way to go. I tried stocks in the past and I'm always very successful, but I just don't have the stomach for it. It's not that I don't have the knowledge of the wherewithal. I just don't have the stomach with real estate. I have the stomach and I have the, the ability to weather the trends, you know, with stocks I get too anxious. And so I figured this would be a much better option Especially with all the tax benefits, and, oh yeah, and the leverage, and you can go all over the place. And again, I, I like it more actually.
0: You know, I love what you said just there. A quick little story for you because you had mentioned that you're five years into you know working in real estate. So like one of the funny things that I've noticed about investors that just go full in, you know, and over the course of five years they own between ten and fifteen properties. And trust me, this is not the average investor. This these are investors are they. They have some means they've got that lazy cash that they're trying to put to good use and they're not risk averse. You know, they're willing to to jump out there. What I find is that for investors that do that 10 to 15 in five years, the last house that they buy at the end of that five years, they finally calm down. They're very, very vigilant for the first Two, three, four years, they want to go over their statements with me every month, which is great. We can do that. They want to consider every maintenance item that's raised, you know, for consideration, and, and we'll talk about that later. I've got three categories for maintenance, which are necessary, not necessary, and nice to have, right? So, you know, we categorize th- that, you know, and so they calm down. They calm down after that five years, and here's why they do that: because they're so wise at the beginning. They've gotten all of their affairs in order and moving forward, they're confident in the process. They're confident with enterprise property management. They're confident with their, their sales agent, and they know that they can just kind of relax a little bit. Like this engine is up and running, it's Mm -hmm. tuned, it's going. And because they've gone in for 10 or 15, I'm not encouraging people just to buy it outright, but if it works, that cash flow begins to offset losses. And so you begin to share that strain or the cost of operating Mm -hmm. these properties. And so I love it when people calm down, you know, I'm like, yes, you know, we, you feel comfortable. So, you know, it makes it easier for us to do our jobs. And then that leads into some investors that I've worked with for 15 years or longer that sometimes I won't speak to for two, three years. And then they'll call me up. I got a call from one of them yesterday while we were at this one house, talked to her about an appraisal and we got it done. So we know that you've got a portfolio now. You've you've generally described it. It's in several different cities. So one of the very interesting conversations that you and I have gotten into with Joe Garner, who's our lending expert, and we've talked about her before. You can find her on talkshop.com. So Joe Garner has some non-traditional financing options for you that she highlighted. And right off the bat, it seemed to make sense. She told you something that I had heard for the first time, which is a loan product, where you can take equity from properties that you own, if I'm not mistaken, I, I want you to correct me on this because you've done the research and are able to lend against that equity. Is that right?
1: Well, the product is called a DSCR, okay. the debt service coverage ratio, and it's a non-traditional type uh, mortgage. So it's, it's something that's not going to be conforming to Fannie or Freddie or VA or type stuff. Got it. um, It's a non-conforming, non-conforming. Yeah. And Basically what it is, and it's something that I had been looking for for a long time. I need someone to lend against the deal, Mm -hmm. not against me. Mm -hmm. Because that's what conforming they're going to do. They're going to lend against you, not the deal. They don't care about your deal. And that was one of the problems I ran into when we had first settled our real estate issue is we had a lot of assets, right? No one would lend us money against it to fix it or to buy more stuff or to do whatever the case is. And I'm thinking, well... I have a hundred percent equity in a million dollar house. Like, why won't you give me? And I'm only asking for 10% of it. Like you won't even give it. No DSCR. They will lend on the deal. And so they don't consider your debt to income. And that's the big issue is, is your debt to income for a qualified product. So they will consider the ratio of what the property generates and there, there's certain ratios to it. And, you know, the finance person can tell you all the details on that. But but yes, that's basically how it works.
0: Now, I, I, as we've talked through it and we had lunch with Joe yesterday and we've all been on the phone together and we've done some emails together, Joe laid out that there are minimums for the buy price mm-hmm. for these properties. So what is the minimum again for a DSCR? The
1: minimum for the vast majority is about 100000 Okay. Right. And so that cuts out a lot of the smaller stuff that we were looking at, the less expensive. That's why we have to look at something a little more. And, and $100,000, that's after your down payment. So 20, okay. 25% down payment, you still, it has to exceed that 100000
0: Okay. So that's that's really interesting because the concept of the loan that you were talking about talks about cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that we're seeing in Memphis a lot, and by the way, listener, I find it shocking that Mac and I have not talked about cash flow very much like he's just wanted to come and see the product we're talking about the value of the product he's looking at the finish of the product and considering the purchase opportunities that are there but we're going to talk about cash flow you know like upon max exit um we're going to you know we have that shared spreadsheet and we're going to jump in there we're going to see the houses that are available that we we both say yeah these are good opportunities and then I'm going to be giving you cash flow numbers one of the interesting things that's happening right now in our economy is that rents are not really coming down you know rents have sort of plateaued they're not deflating rents are not being devalued now they're softer because in Memphis and, and like in most other cities right now where there has been an investment real estate boom, a lot of people have jumped in and purchased property. So we've got a lot of inexperienced people that are trying to get 300%, you know, of the of reasonable monthly rent. And those, by the way, those properties, they just hang out there, right? They mm. They don't ever go anywhere, you know? So eventually that. Person has to swallow their pride and has to bring the rent down. So several of the properties that we've looked at that would qualify for the DSCR will definitely cash flow per the one percent rule, mm-hmm. just like beautifully. One of the last one that we saw with the in sunroom, mm-hmm. you know, that one was that a three bedroom? I think that was a three bedroom.
1: I think it was a, th- yeah, I think it was a three, three. one. I had the stairs to the
0: that's right uh, corner, yeah. That was interesting. And so just like off the cuff, I would say that that one's probably going to lease for somewhere between thirteen and $1,400 mm. and a corner lot, beautiful, you know, very welcoming neighborhood. And so very, very attractive would work for the DSCR. I'm excited about this loan product for you and for other people that just don't know about it. So that's interesting. And the houses that we're going to go see today would more or less qualify for the DSCR product.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're we're looking for. We're looking for something that we can value add, get a deal on value add and then qualify for the DSCR product. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And and so there are a lot of people that are listening right now that probably are in a similar situation to where they have property that shows that they're, you know, they look great on paper, right? But banks, as we know, are a little hesitant to lend as much as they were lending before. A lot of these regional banks, they're owners of the bank itself or shareholders or board. They've recommended that we pull back, you know, on more non-traditional loans or, or loans that aren't as profitable on the outset as a traditional loan. Right. And obviously the other thing about the DSCR is can it be sold or you can refinance out of it. They have prepayment
1: terms sure. that you have to negotiate up front. But one of the things that's really cool about a DSCR is you can have as many as you want. A traditional mortgage I think you can go up to four and then they get really strict and then anything beyond 10, good luck. Right. Like you're not going to, you're not going to get any more than that. So you're sort of capped. DSCR, you can, you can have a thousand of them as far as I know. I mean, there's no real limit because they're lending against the deal, not against you. The deal is the collateral, not your income, not your W2, not your earned cash. Is the interest rate different on a DSCR? Is it? They're they're a little more expensive. Okay. I mean, definitely more expensive on the in and on the out. But again, you're paying for that convenience, right? Right. And as long as you can get your return that you're looking for and structure your deal properly, what do you care in that regard, right? I hate to say it like that, but really, I mean, what difference does it make?
0: Yeah. So I guess, you know, in a future episode, we're going to continue to unpack this with Joe. So I think one of the fun things that we can do is to have you back on with Joe here in the studio and talk about just how the DSCR is working. Because I think that this is a a product that since Joe has it available, a lot of people are going to be able to take advantage of this. And I think they're going to be able to learn from our process. So I'm super excited about that. And then
1: once we do a couple of deals we can talk about some of the strategies that we talked about yesterday at lunch. Yeah. You know, some of the ways that you can right offset some of the costs in that. So Absolutely. We're yeah. going to we're going to try some of those out and see how it works.
0: I'm looking forward to it. Um you know a, again a fun thing about working with you is that We're able just to sort of stream of consciousness, spit out some concepts. And when we have professionals like Joe sitting with us, it is so cool to hear her to like watch her face, Mm -hmm. you know, and hear her basically say, yeah, this can work. I don't think once yesterday she didn't once say that something couldn't work. And so having her as a partner is just phenomenal. In fact, for the listeners, and we'll, we'll talk more about Joe later and you'll hear her again on our podcast, you know, a week's time for us in Mm -hmm. real time. She is highly recommended in our city by traditional bankers. And I'm talking traditional bankers in very large regional banks. They basically say they've known Joe for forever. And they say, you know what? I can't do that. You know, I'd love to, these are great people that I'm talking about. Great people, but they don't have access to the product. And so they all have been recommending Joe for this. So it's super exciting. So I guess as we're kind of rounding out this episode, we're about to head out. We're heading into a neighborhood that we've talked about on this podcast several times where there really has been a lot of opportunity that's been realized over the last, honestly, 30 years, 30, 40 years even. And the name of that neighborhood is Whitehaven. Mm. Sounds funny, but it is, it's is—it's an established neighborhood name. And we're going to be seeing some properties that are basically riding the coattails of the improvement of the Whitehaven area that's happened over the last 30, 40 years. So I'm really excited about showing you, you know, we're going to drive past Graceland. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to go. be fun. I, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see it. We, who knows? There could be. A bunch of tourists there, you know, might be hard to to be able to see the house. But Memphis has had huge improvements. Elvis Presley Enterprises uh, and the Presley family huge improvements around the Graceland mansion. So we're going to see that beyond Elvis Presley Boulevard. That's kind of cool, and that's where Whitehaven is. Mm. So I don't know if we to, if I told you that yesterday, but all the Whitehaven houses that we're going to see are around this area. And then one of the other houses that I'm very interested in looking at with you we might not be able to get in but we'll we'll definitely drive by is a house near the airport. Mac and I saw the properties that we did yesterday and we weren't frightened if you will by some parts of the the city that are have a higher risk, then you're not going to be frightened for the neighborhood near the airport. Don't let that scare you. Like there are opportunities all over the city. I'm I'm not talking to you Mac, but the listener, we get close to the airport, if it's in a good neighborhood and it's a quality home, you know, 50s or 60s built, that's a that's a great opportunity and there are people that live or that work at the airport that they don't want to have to drive, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get to their home, but they don't have to worry about, you know, the schools that are around. And so these houses are great opportunities. And then we've managed a lot of houses there. So I'm super stoked about what we're about to see. Is there anything you want to close with before we go?
1: I did want to tell a quick story. It goes back to the financing and, and banking. Sure. We, uh, one of our banks, other than, we have a credit union, we have a, a large bank. It's a top five. And we, we went to them to ask for some loan products. This was before SVB or certain banks get some issues, right? Yeah. And our banker had said, yeah, talk to the wealth manager. He could do stuff. So we talked to the wealth manager and the bank flat out was like, we don't do this stuff anymore. You have to put 250,000 on deposit with us or, or more. And then we can start talking about this kind of thing. And it surprised me, but it didn't surprise me. But that was before a lot of the collapse happened more recently. And they knew you know? And so I just wanted to mention that. I don't know how appropriate that is, but I just thought it was a no, funny I,
0: story. I think it's so appropriate because, you know, you had told me about the, the institution that you used to work for and with the awareness that the corporate heads had of what was going on, you know, from a, from a accounting perspective, from a bookkeeping and from losses that were deferred, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so like, you, you just can't defer those losses forever. Eventually you have to acknowledge them. And that's really what brought the correction in in the market. The banks know way ahead,
1: you know, so if you know who to talk to or what questions to ask, they'll tell you. If you ask, they won't tell you, right? But if you ask about certain things, certain products, you get the hints.
0: Yeah. And you can almost always find the, um, the trusted seasoned sort of grandfather or grandmother in, in lending. If you look hard enough, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody will say, oh yeah, you need to go talk to this person about it. And that person will be very transparent. About what's going on. So, well, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for being on the podcast face to face. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And this will not be the last time that we hear from you. I'm looking forward to discussing our experiences as we move forward. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management Inc.,